Tuesday nights, we have child care for it in the whole nine yards. All right, so grab your Bibles. Open to Luke chapter 2. want to encourage you to bring a Bible with you if you are online, which there are way more people online than in the house. You guys must have stayed up too late watching Christmas movies. But anyway, uh, make sure you have a Bible in front of you. I encourage you to bring something to write on, something to take notes. Uh, I got a kick this morning. I was looking for a, a verse as we were doing worship uh, for the first service. And when I took the Pew Bible out, somebody has underlined a whole bunch of verses and highlighted stuff. And I thought, well, if they sit in the same seat, that's handy. But if you want to write in the Pew Bible, that's totally fine with me. Whatever helps you to remember or retain. But bring your Bibles, take notes, even if you're at home, encourage you to have a Bible in front of you. One of the things this will do is help you to just navigate the scriptures a little bit better in your private devotional time. So we're in Luke chapter two, a very familiar part of the Christmas story. Uh, but we're going to read it. I'm going to ask you to stand up and I'm going to actually ask you to read it with me, uh, which we do sometimes. So I'm going to read, just read along with me. Uh, if you want to read the same translation, it's ESV. It'll also be up on the screen right there. So Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an the angel a multitude in the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Lord, I thank you for uh, the Gospels. I thank you that we have the story of Jesus captured in the Gospels, that we can study it, that we can read it, that we can be invited into the story of Jesus. I pray this morning that as we unpack this amazing proclamation uh, that you would infuse something new into our spirit, that you would speak a word to us. We believe that you still speak, that you speak to each one of us as individuals through your Holy Spirit. And I pray that that would be uh, our experience as we sit here in this room or sit on the, in our living rooms or kitchens or wherever we are watching this broadcast. I just pray that you would move in a powerful way, that we would leave different than we came because we've interacted with the living God. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So Monday, uh, as we are beginning our last week of uh, Advent in the chapel, Meg and I have been uh, sitting in there for an hour every morning, uh, kind of hosting an Advent opportunity. Uh, I sat down Monday and I began to pray and I said, God, um, would you share with me, would you tell me what you want me to preach on this Sunday? I find this to be one of the harder Sundays to preach, partly because it's such a familiar story. Like, what am I going to say that's new about Christmas? There's always a pressure to be profound or new or to bring something that you haven't already heard. You know, so there's a little bit of uh, self-imposed pressure on me. And so I'm praying, God, what do you want to preach on? And I just got into my devotional little ways and was reading. And I felt very convicted that God wanted me to talk about joy. And as soon as I felt like God wanted me to talk about joy, I began this other conversation where I was like, well, God, 
I talk about joy a lot in the last couple of years. As a matter of fact, joy was my one word five years ago, so it's kind of made its way into a lot of my sermons. I feel like I've talked about it. I even felt like this was the passage he wanted me to preach on, and I was like, well, and I've already preached on that passage, and God's like, yes, I know all that, but I want you to preach on joy. So here we are. We're going to talk about joy a little bit this morning. And, and here's what I want to say. I am more and more convicted and more and more aware of our tendency to move on to a new truth or a new revelation before we take hold of the current truth or revelation. I talked to some of you who listen to four or five podcasts a week of different preachers around the United States, around the world. I have a friend that reads 300, that's right, 300 books a year, right? And, And that's all good and it's well But I wonder how much of that can we retain? I actually read quite a bit myself and I even feel this challenge myself. Like how much can we really retain? We we often just want the next aha moment, but we're not necessarily sinking into it. We're not necessarily like really taking hold of what God has said to us. So maybe joy is one of those those words that God just wants us as a church and us as a people to, to sit with, to take hold of. This is one of the things I love about the one word challenge. As a matter of fact, what you're probably going to find, if God gives you the word, you're going to find that the things that you read, the podcasts that you listen to, the things that are preached here from the state, all sort of keep coming back. Maybe not everything we say, but keep coming back to that one word. It's just sort of a, a good definition of God's sovereignty. I don't know if you know this, but once God is trying to tell you something, he tells it to you like through every, everywhere you go. It's like, turn on your radio, the guy's talking about it. You come into church, the guy's talking about it. Look, that's just God's sovereignty. When you feel like, man, it's like you were teaching, preaching just for me. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit and that's God's sovereignty. But my point is, stay with it. Stay with one thing. And joy is one of those things I believe God is trying to slow us down and get us to take hold of and to, to hold on to. Okay? Joy. We need to stay with it until it's part of who we are. People ought to see us as followers of Jesus and actually see the joy in us. You know, it ought to be palpable. It ought to just be front and center. People ought to come into this church and they ought to leave for the first time and they ought to leave saying, man, there was, there was such a joy in that place, right? Joy is, the scriptures say that joy is, is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength, but it's also our witness, right? It's our witness in our home. It's our witness in the marketplace. It's our witness uh, in, in, in our businesses. There ought to be this sense of joy when people interact with us. They ought to see it, feel it. It just ought to be a part of our DNA. So the words that the angel proclaimed in the passage, it's packed full of application. It's packed full of encouragement. But the angel says, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Starts with the word, they start with the words fear not. I'm not sure why I did this at the first service too. I keep calling the angel a she. I don't think it was a she, but the angel said, fear not. Most repeated script command in all of scripture. We're in chapter two of Luke and those words have already been spoken three, three times. It's the third time. Fear not, right? And, and they're words that we need to learn to take hold of, learn that we need to, to bring into our lives because fear is the stealer of joy. 
right? If you are, are captured with fear, it's going to rob you of the joy that God wants to give you. And the fact is, our fear goes all the way back, is a, a, a human condition, all the way back to Genesis. It's been pervasive. Think about when, when Adam sinned, he was afraid and he hid from God. 200 times in the scriptures, we hear the words, fear not. And I think we probably all would agree that, that fear has even been uh, on the rise, if you will. It's, it's gone up, the, the, the feeling of fear. And when I say fear, I just want you to realize, I'm talking about fear, I'm talking about worry, I'm talking about anxiety, angst. They're all kind of cut from the same cloth, right? But, but there is this, this sense that it's, it's on the rise, right? And all of these emotions, fear, worry, anxiety, angst, they're all joy stealers, right? And, and, and here's what I want to say to you, and, and I, I want to be careful, but I just want you to hear me as your friend and your pastor. One of the things that is creating this problem is this, right? Our use of our smartphones is actually creating a greater level of angst and worry. And I'm not just saying this. This isn't just a theory. There's lots of research behind it. But because of our availability of social media and mainstream media and all that comes with our smartphone, we are feeding ourselves more and more and more with whatever it is that is creating this fear and worry and anxiety within us. As a matter of fact, the the way it's set up, the algorithms of your phone and when you're on social social media, and when you're going to media outlets, they are just going to feed you more and more of that one thing that creates that in you. It is designed that way because they know it sells. And so the question I was asked is the thing that's consuming your mind, the thing that you're reading constantly, the thing that you're being uh, fed through your social media and through the modern, uh, the, the contemporary media, is it pure? Is it noble? Is it lovely? Is it praiseworthy? Because the scriptures say, think about these things, right? And, and so what happens is we, we get our minds so focused on this, these topics or, or the things that are creating the worry inside of it, and it just gets more and more. It's like pouring gas on the, on the fire, and fear wells up more and more, and our joy becomes much more difficult for us to hold on to. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all get rid of our phones, i just suggesting that we pay attention to what we're digesting, right? What's consuming your thought life? Fear is normal. Actually, fear is a God-given emotion. Fear can be a great protector of doing something that you shouldn't do. It's okay to be afraid of uh, sticking a pin in the light socket, right? That's a, that's a good, healthy fear or driving like a maniac. Some of you need that fear. And you don't have it, but it would be good if you had it. Like fear can be a good thing. And and so what I want to talk about a little bit is not just fear, but what I would call unchecked fear, unchecked, unexamined fear that just runs rampant, right? Fear, God gives us the emotion of fear, but when we don't have the ability to stop and ask ourselves, where is this coming from? What does God want to show me through this fear? Unexamined, unchecked fear. And here's what I would say. Unchecked fear or anxiety incites destructive behaviors or paralysis. Unchecked fear, it causes us to take matters into our own hands. We see that throughout the scriptures, right? We, we run when God calls us to stand firm, or we self-medicate. We do this all the time. In our fear and our worry, we take matters in our own and we self-medicate. Instead of turning our fears back to Jesus, we find other ways, unhealthy ways, unproductive ways to cope with our fear, It was fear that caused Adam to hide in the garden. 
So here's how a fear might play out in your life. Maybe you have a fear of growing up, growing old, and being alone. So as you move into the dating phase of life, you're willing to date somebody that you know isn't God's best for you because you're more afraid of being alone than you are of going with the person that God wants you to be with. Fear of not being accepted or being liked causes sometimes for us to put on a false front to pretend to be something that we're not so that the people around us will like us, right? Fear of being hurt, again, maybe even. Fear of, of, of being hurt causes us to close down. It causes us to be, to be close to the people around us and often causes us to, to, to not be able to forgive people around us because we feel like if we forgive them, then we're going to put ourselves in a place of vulnerability to be hurt again. You can see how fear creates all kinds of unhealthy behaviors. Your fear of not having enough money keeps you from tithing at a level that God is pleased with. Right, Your fear of, of wanting to be so successful that it keeps you from taking a Sabbath and resting when God said, look, you need a Sabbath, but, but if I just slow down, then someone else is going to get ahead of me. You see how fear creates this, this hamster wheel of trying to do things that you're not going to be able to do anyway. Fear is normal, but unchecked, unexamined fear is devastating. It's devastating to our physical health. It's devastating to our relational health, and it robs us of any sense of joy. And fear is rampant in our society. But the good news is we don't have to be subject to fear. Fear, angst, anxiety, worry, panic. We don't have to be subject to any of them. We don't have to be prisoners to those emotions. Think about this story. The shepherds are out in the field, right? And they're just, they're doing their shepherd thing. And all of a sudden the sky lights up and there is a being in the sky talking to them. Pretty sure all of us would be a little unnerved by that. Well, when the angel's done speaking, then there's thousands and thousands of angels in the sky. Pretty sure we would all have a sense of fear. So what does the angel say? Fear not. There is sometimes a need for us to hear the voice of God through the prophets of God, through the scriptures, whatever, telling us it's okay. Don't be afraid. I'm not trying to tell you that you shouldn't feel the emotion of fear. It is a God-given emotion. The question is, what do you do with it when you feel that fear? It's normal. It's God-given. The problem isn't fear. The problem is unchecked, unexamined an unrecognized fear for what it really is. We need to learn to make our fear subject to the person of Jesus. Jesus is bigger than any fear you have. Jesus is bigger than your fear of death or your fear of being alone or your fear of not having enough. The angel says, fear not. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is our comforter. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is the one who meets us in our deepest needs and brings peace that passes all understanding. A peace that the scriptures say guard your heart and guards your mind. I love the words of Jesus that are so powerful and so true. When Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, fear not for it is your father's good pleasure Don't be afraid because it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. How powerful is that? This is a a passage that's true. It's true of, of all of your circumstances. It's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
God loves you beyond your wildest imagination, more than you can even comprehend. And Christmas is a reminder of God's love. The baby Jesus, the fact that God would send his only son the way that he did, as vulnerable as he sent him, is a reminder of God's abounding, audacious love. The person of Jesus shows us this extravagant love. And the love that we see in God, that's the antidote for your fear. The scripture tells us perfect love casts out all fear. The angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And Jesus is the good news. He's for all people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every person. The angel says, on this historical day, you know, this isn't just an allegory. It's not just a story we tell. This is a moment in history when Jesus came, God Emmanuel, God with us. The angel says, on this day in history, Jesus is born. It's the story we live into every day as we walk with Jesus. On this day, the Savior, the Messiah, the fulfillment of all the prophecies, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is born. And this is great, good news of great joy for all people. I love what Paul says about Jesus himself. Paul is quoting, he says these words. He says, in Jesus, in him, we live, we move, and we have our being. The baby of Christmas is where we find our purpose. The baby of Christmas is where you find your purpose. It's the reason for your existence. Jesus is not just the reason for the season. He is the reason for your being. Augustine penned these words over 2,000 years ago. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until it rests in you. Jesus is the reason for your being. The angel says, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. The good news, it's infused with, it's saturated with, it is full of great joy. This is what I've talked about for the last couple of years, but you know what joy means? It means happiness. It means merriment. It means jubilation. It means pleasure. It means enjoyment. It means delight. It means bliss. It means glee, great joy. Somewhere along the way, we were fed a lie that said, God doesn't care about your happiness. God is more concerned with your character than your happiness. We've even made happiness kind of a dirty word in the church. And I would say, That's not really paying attention to the scriptures because if joy means happy merriment. Now he cares about where you go to get your happiness for sure, but God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God wants you to experience his joy. People ought to see his joy in you. Through the person of Jesus, God wants to infuse you with joy. Supernatural merriment, supernatural delight. He wants you to know that he is for you and that you live under a covenant where the spirit of God is actually in you. I think we could all agree that God wants to infuse his people with joy, the, the joy of the Lord. But we need a much more robust understanding of what joy actually means. Happiness, bl- bliss, glee, merriment, jubilation. Somehow those words almost seem dirty in some Christian circles. Like, well, we don't really want to talk about being happy. 
But God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. Let me repeat something. Jesus is not the reason for the season. He is the reason for your very being. He is the reason for your joy. He is the reason for your happiness. We need to see life through the lens of Jesus instead of seeing Jesus through the lens of life. Let me say that again because it's pretty subtle, but it's, it's, a, it's a big difference. We need to see Jesus, right? We need to see life through the lens of Jesus. We need to see all of our circumstances through the lens of Jesus as opposed to looking through our circumstances and trying to find Jesus. When we move this way through circumstances looking for Jesus, then all of our joy is circumstantially driven, Right? We, I love what uh, Oswald Chambers says. He says, is Jesus Christ Lord of your experiences or do you place your experiences above him? Are you able to rise above the difficulties in your life and still be a person of joy? Or is your joy determined by your circumstances? I think the question that Oswald Chambers is asking applies to all of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Are you able to be patient in all circumstances? And are you able to still be patient when the Lions are losing or only when they're winning? It's a good test because they lose so much it keeps us like... Do we really have the patience that we need, right? Are you willing to be patient when the person across the table from you is impatient? Are Are you able to be gentle and kind when the person you're dealing with is not gentle or kind? Anybody can be patient and kind with somebody who is being patient and kind. That's a fruit of circumstances, not a fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit rises above all of our circumstances, The scriptures say a gentle response turns away wrath. A gentle response is a fruit of the spirit. But really, if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we are just reflecting whatever the circumstances are around us, right? We do this in our home all the time. We do it in the marketplace. We do it in in our workplace. But when people are short with us, we become short with them. When our spouse is grouchy, suddenly we find ourselves kind of grouchy, Or probably the other way, when I'm grouchy, I can drag other people into those circumstances. You see what I'm saying? Like we reflect the the very emotions that we're, but the fruit of the Spirit allows you to be kind even when the person is unkind. You get this, the joy of the Lord rises above your circumstances. Here's the, the reality. Here's the theological truth. If you have said yes to Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. If you have said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you, and you have the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. But you also have the ability to override it. You have the ability to, like, short-circuit it. You have the ability to do. You have free will. You can rise it. But it's yours. You have the ability to be patient and kind and gentle and to be full of joy because you have the Holy Spirit. The scriptures say in Jesus, you have everything you need for life and for godliness. Now, I think it's important whenever I talk about this, especially in this church where we have such a high value on authenticity, I am not asking any of you to fake it. I'm not asking you to pretend like everything is perfect. There is a season and a time for mourning. 
And my hope is that we would be a church that walks through those seasons with you and helps you to experience joy even in the midst of difficulties. That is why it's so important for you to be connected within a small group. That's where you're going to get that kind of care. That's where you're going to have people who are walking with you through those difficulties. The good news of great joy for all people applies to every season. God promises to show up in our grief. God promises to show up in our difficulties. God promises to comfort those who mourn. But most often, or far too often, I should say, in our difficult seasons and in our times of distress, we find ourselves turning to something other than Jesus. The scriptures would call that an idol. And the scriptures say, anytime you cling to a worthless idol, you forfeit the very thing that God wants to give you. Right? God is, God is taking you through a season. You are in the midst of a season. If you turn towards Jesus, he will show up and there will be a supernatural peace and joy that rises above your circumstances. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about this. He says, blessed are the poor. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are you when, when, you're, when the others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. You know what the word and blessed means in the Greek? It means happy. It means joyful. It means full of joy. Get it? Happy are you when you're poor, when you mourn, when people revile you and say mean things about you? The end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. Allow God's presence and God's movement in your life and the Holy Spirit in your life to bring you a joy that rises above your circumstances. Not because of your circumstances, but in spite of them. Turn your eyes to Jesus. He is good news of great joy for all people. He's not the reason for the season. He is the actual reason for your being. In 2018, when we started the One Word Challenge, my word was joy. And God was showing me just how stoic and serious I could be. And whenever I talk about that, everybody who works for me nods their head like I still am. Way too moody, way too stoic, way too serious. And I think I am a person of joy much more now than I was five years ago, but I still feel like I have a long way to go. But I want my kids and my grandkids and my wife and and all of you, when you experience Doug, I want you to experience a person of joy. I want the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I want the joy of the Lord to be my witness. And so I'm growing and I'm inviting you to grow in this with me. It's not always easy, but it's always there for us. I'm learning to live into Philippians 4, 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in the Lord when it's good. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The angel of God proclaims from the heavens, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. My hope and my prayer is that we would be a people marked by joy, that the joy of the Lord really would be our strength, that the joy of the Lord would be our witnesses in our schools and in the marketplace. I pray that those around you, those who are closest to you, would see the joy of the Lord. 
I'm going to close by praying a prayer over you. I don't do this very often, but I just felt like a priestly prayer was in order. And I'm going to ask you to do something that may make you a little uncomfortable, but I just want you to trust me in this and do it. I'm going to ask you to open yourselves up to receive. If I were to say to any of you, I have this incredible gift I want to give to you, most of you would go, <laughs> right? It's just a, it's a posture of receiving. Okay, give it to me. You don't have to put your hands up. You don't have to put them out where anybody can see me. You can even just put them right on the armchair. But open your hands and open your arms as a way of just saying, God, I want what you have for me. I want to receive whatever it is you want to give to me. And just allow me to pray this prayer over you. May the baby of Christmas, the person of Jesus, be your joy. May Jesus be your strength. May you find deep happiness, a happiness that rises above all of life's difficulties. I pray in this moment, right now with your eyes closed, that you would see Jesus standing in front of you. With spiritual eyes, you would see Jesus and you would hear his words, fear not, little ones. I take great pleasure in giving you the kingdom. I pray this morning that you would know, that you would know deeply that you are loved by God and that love would cast out all fear, that you would experience great joy that's promised to all people. Lord, I pray that each person in this room, each person listening to this sermon would know deep in their spirit that you are not just the reason for the season, but you are the reason for their very being. May they find their purpose and their joy in you. Amen. Well, I felt like if we're going to have a sermon on the 26th, we should have a Christmas carol to wrap it up. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and they are going to lead us in one last Christmas carol this year. Well, I don't know if we'll sing any next week, but we're going to sing one now. Joy to the world. Let's stick this together. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive a king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and If you need prayer for anything at all, if you need physical healing, we believe that God still heals. If you need a little physical and spiritual healing, 
We know that God desires to do that as well. You can call the number on your screen. There's two different numbers there. They'll put you into a private prayer session with a trained person. But if you want to come down front, we have people who would meet with you and pray with you here as well. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may you be a people marked with joy. Merry Christmas. Have a great Sunday.